Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Sean Toohey. And this is Dark Side of the Moon. Let's get to it, motherfuckers. Oh, your dog, the invisible bone. <laughs> All right, Nolly Bones. Uh, what's the story, dude? Uh, we're back. Crack at you. Uh, fuck all, man. I'm just been doing a bit of making of peace and peace and of make. That's what I've been doing. How Absolutely. about you? I've been watching the intro to Peacemaker over and over again. I've <laughs> forgotten everything else that's even in this. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be a 30 minute episode uh, about the intro of Peacemaker and uh, this choreography. <laughs> <laughs> everything, just the audaciousness of it, the song, everything. I yeah. love it. So, so before we get stuck into this episode, it's obviously going to be about Peacemaker starring John Cena, directed by and created by James Gunn. If anyone hasn't seen the Suicide Squad episode, uh, we're going to be running a new format um, some weeks on Dark Side of the Moon. It's going to be called One Shots, where we keep our episodes to a shorter format, around 30 to 40 minutes long. And um, that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're trying to do the weekly format. So just to keep content pumping out, we're going to try to keep the episodes a little shorter from time to time. So, Noel, um, what did you make of Peacemaker when you first heard about it? And were you happy with John Cena from Suicide Squad carrying over to have his own standalone TV series? I'd be lying if I said I had some sort of like big excitement about it. I really liked the Suicide Squad. So I thought, right, take a character out of it. For me, it would have been Polka Dot Man, maybe like gone back in time, you know, because I love that character so much. But I went I went into this like optimistic that I was going to enjoy it because James Gunn has earned that yeah. from me. At least, you know, give the guy the, the benefit of doubt and mm-hmm. think you're going to be enjoyed. He really disappoints. Uh, but I didn't think I would love it as much as I did. I love the show. It was just so much fun. Yeah, and I'm a big classic rock guy and stuff like that. It just it, it worked for me on so many levels: the silliness, the violence, the action pack, the all the D-list characters that James Gunn just seems to be breathing life into. So yeah, yeah. I really did. What about you? Uh, it, to me, it was kind of like you know, 1980s pro wrestling come to life or something. Oh my god! <laughs> you know that kind of way, like the the style of uh, the costumes. The overtop nature of the characters, the names, like everything just smacked the 1980s wrestling to me. And it was fucking awesome. It was like pro wrestling meets the boys. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I, it, it had a lot of good dialogue. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of funny dialogue in this. It was... James Gunn's a very witty writer, though. He does that a lot, like where he just kind of in every scene he'll kind of bring these kind of uh, weird characters together, and he'll he'll shine a light on what makes them weird in that moment, <laughs> and like you know that kind of thing. He's kind of like he's constantly tongue in cheek, nod to the camera, like you know, it's just like yeah, we know he's weird. As I said, in the Suicide Squad episodes, they like they completely pay no attention to it. Or they give every bit of attention to the weirdness of the character. And that's what I fucking yes. love with James Gunn stories, you know? Yeah. And it's the thing. We thought that the, the female agent was name was Hardcore because everyone had a stupid name. Yeah. But it was Harcourt, as we yeah. found out when we were actually looking at the IMDb. So I went through like pretty much the entire series thinking she was like Hardcore. Yeah. Like, but there we go. Yeah. No, Greybeard. Yeah, Greybeard. That's James uh, Dybeard. Yeah, what was his fucking The Economist or something? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, another thing about James Gunn, I think he gives a lot of slack for people just throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Yeah, you just love bloopers and stuff. Yeah, he, he's you know he gives a lot of bloopers if people want to just try something and if if it, if it lands, it lands, and if it doesn't, no harm done. This it seems like something where you're supposed to enjoy yourself, and I think that bleeds into your acting, no matter how good or bad an actor you are, it'll yeah. bleed right into it because that's the nature. Of yeah, yeah, James Gunn is fun, man. James Gunn is fun. 
Yeah, yeah, like, uh, and one thing as well, he, he gives us fun. Remember, we talked about Cisco, he gives us deep moments, and he gives us this like weird, like, introspective scenes, but he also gives you a fucking amazing action. And the choreography, oh, incredible fight sequence in this movie and this show is unbelievable. Like, when we find out, uh, we get introduced to the first butterfly that attacks John Cena's peacemaker, uh, Chris Smith, I think his name is, and um, the, the senator, the, yeah, when the woman fights, uh, no, when the woman fights him, where he bangs the girl. And they go upstairs. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That fight scene's incredible because you've no great. idea why she's that powerful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, and she's just like they have sex, and then she goes like all quiet, and yeah. then he's listening to like sticks or some classic rock band, uh-huh. and, and she's walking around, and she just comes out of one night. It was, it was absolutely great. And he fights I even loved there's a scene where he goes into the bedroom and you don't see anything. And I was just, I said to Sheila, I was watching her, I said, he's come through the wall. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, he just like bursts through, doesn't disappoint. Uh, yeah, no, of course. And that just showed how fantastically over the top it all was. Uh, yeah. Eagerly, you know, he gets the helmet. Of course, I don't know if this, I, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the character. I don't know if like helmets that all have a different capability was built yeah. in, but I think they said, fuck it. And they just went for it and had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, because his helmet didn't seem to have anything going for nothing. Nothing. It was a helmet. It was, yeah. <laughs> symbol of peace or something, you know? Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The fucking... Um, yeah, so the fight scene with Jawan, I love, it was hilarious that he was in his whitey tighties, the whole fight scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> entire fight scene. Tighty whiteies, yes. Like, I just think that that's like uh, James going all over. It's a really serious moment. It's like a life or death moment. And it's like, I'm just going to have him fight in his underwear the whole fight. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just pure ridiculousness. Like, and the fucking, the, his relationship with his father, Robert Patrick, uh, the guy who played T1000, Terminator 2. And yes. like, you know, uh, he's like, he's like, great to see Robert at the age <laughs> he is kind of in something. And like, I, nobody goes. James Gunn went bold with like that level of racism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to try and have like, oh, a bad guy could be racist. That's fine. You can, you can do that. But they're they, but they complete and total like sarcasm and jokes and stuff. Yeah. That but I don't know. It worked to be honest with you because you're not supposed to root for him. It's not like pro <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you no, see what I... he says to the Asian uh, that 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 she becomes a butterfly herself, <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, as they say in your native homeland, and he just said, "Ching chong ching chopsticks." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. she was like, "Fuck!" And she was said something great back, like, "Oh, that actually means my native tongue. I have a stupid fucking haircut." And so, yeah. I don't know what it was, but she, you know, she, she, they had banter. And I was like, "Shit, I didn't think you could do that." Now, like that yeah. was refreshing to me. That like racism was still bad. But yeah. you can still have bad characters being racist because it's fiction. Yeah, exactly. I, that was refreshing to me. Yeah, Robert Patrick was an, a lovely little addition, I think. Yeah, I love the the weird like little fucking um, contrast that um, Chris had with his father because Chris is like like peacemaker. He's trying to have this like the personification of good. He's like their version of Captain America in a lot of ways, you know, that kind of thing. Like he's the fancies himself. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like the truest, the bluest heroes he wants to be. Yeah. Like, and he's a total mess. And his father's just horrific white supremacist fucking dirtbag. <laughs> like, oh know? yeah, absolutely. Like, well, actually I won't agree he's a mess. I think, I don't know if he's a mess. I actually think he was exercising his face. Yeah. Yeah. He, he never got, you know, it was just that he was exercising his face. He wasn't crying. And but, I think that's important that we understand. No, no. What do you mean? Like, I know I said, yeah, I remember the scene where he, the oh, vigilante yeah. catches him crying. And he's like, I'm not crying. I'm exercising. <laughs> oh, yeah. Vigilante, another great character, completely yeah. and totally disconnected from like any sort of human motion, a psychopath <laughs> of the highest degree. Yeah. 
but a yeah. loyal one. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, um, loyal. Yeah, it's so fucked up. It's like, how do you know it was me? Uh, I was talking to you a moment ago. You sound the exact same. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> Man, I, you, that, you just changed your voice. Yeah, it, that really annoyed just... me in, in Hawkeye. I forgot to mention the episode we're doing when um when Kate Bishop puts on the Ronan costume for the first time and she starts talking to the guests. There are people that know her personally that were talking yes. to her at that party, <laughs> and yes. she doesn't try to disguise her voice at all. <laughs> like, you know no. what I mean? Like, like if you put on a costume and you just go, "Hey, Vinny," and go, "All right, no." <laughs> one of the par- one person at the party is your mother. Or yeah. you know what I mean? Like your your actual mother, who you have a close relation. In fact, you live alone with. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a completely different animal. Yeah, I know. I love the way they pointed that out because, like, I hate in shows and I hate in um uh, superhero stuff. Or the like the Batman mask, like you would tell that who that is. If you meet Bruce Wayne, you meet Batman. Man, I ran into Mark Harry. We call him Chubbs. You remember? Yeah. yeah, I ran into him. I seen seen him, today, him abs- that's, that's cool. Yeah, I ran into him. I hadn't seen him in five or six years. Not sorry, not today. You ran him today. I ran into him a few months back. I hadn't seen him in Yonks. And I went, ah, oh, it's Crackman. How are you? Yeah, he was wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. He was wearing a mask. I haven't yeah. seen him in years. I didn't yeah. hear his voice. I just looked at his eyes, looked at his face. I went, there's half of Mark's face. I yeah. recognize him. Yeah. yeah that's like it's so, it's so disconcerting. It, like Batman's the other half where you can't yeah. see, like, you think, you think if I can tell who you are without seeing your jawline, I can't yeah. tell who you are without seeing your forehead. Yeah. Yeah, man, that really made me. Cause like, when I was watching Arrow um, starring Stephen Mell um, on CW, when I was watching that, like when he was the green arrow, he used to just wear his hood up. And he used to have his eyes covered and he used to have the vice mod- uh, modifier, which I used to like. Uh, he actually changed yeah, his voice. That makes but, sense. Yeah, that but, makes sense. But when he was outside operating in different places, when he wasn't supposed to be the green arrow, he used to wear a full mask that covered his entire face. Wear it out all the time, dude. All the time. <laughs> like all the time. Like if I become a, a hood, vigilante. I'm... You're standing there talking to the police and a gust of wind. <laughs> yeah. just, 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 just takes it on. You're just yourself yeah. wearing eyeshadow. And by the way, you're a billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You're not like, like yeah, oh, I've never seen that dude in my life. And you already have the mask. <laughs> yeah, you already have the mask. <laughs> like this is where Spider Man. This yeah. is where Spider Man gets props. Yeah, like Spider. The gambit runs from Spider Man to Clark Kent. Yeah. For me, you yeah. know what I mean. Spider Man, you can't even tell his race. Yeah, and that's what I thought oh, the best with Spider Man suit. So. I'll say this, but what I loved about Christopher Reeves as Superman was that you couldn't believe that somebody like Christopher Reeves could be Superman because he was such a buffoon. Yeah. That I will give him. Yeah. I thought that was a great thing about the, the the original Superman. You know, he gets caught in the dump that the, the, the waiters carrying the, the suitcases upstairs, and he gets caught in the thing he's carrying. He's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I'm such a klutz!" And then he's Superman. That I kind of yeah. yeah. I, 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 he in plain sight because he's the last ex- person that you'd look at. Exactly, and I like the Suicide Squad has fun with the tropes. Yeah, they yeah, had yeah. a lot of fun with the tropes. Yeah, like uh, what uh, like fucking um, Aquaman fucks fox fish. Poop. <laughs> Superman is a poop fetish. Oh no, you mean Peace Yeah, you said Suicide Squad. Like, no, um, it just, threw, just threw me off, Noel. I was like, shit, what are we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I haven't had enough sleep this week. <laughs> I was like, fucking be there chained to my laptop all week. Like, it's fucking insanity. But um, uh, yeah, what I liked about was they had these fucked up characters. And even though they had no emotional attachment to anyone, they all seem to have this weird loyalty to one another. Like it's like you know what I mean. Outside of their group, it's like they hated humanity. Like the even though they pretended that they were helping humanity, a lot of the time they're causing way more harm than they're actually like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like vigilantes, you said a complete sociopath. Like, like, like. See where he has the whole rant about like you know like 
killing people for like uh, <laughs> murders or graffiti. What's <laughs> it just some like seventeen year old kid writing like Ja Rule or something, and, you know, <laughs> and and uh, just getting wiped out by vigilante? Then somebody who's like killed six people, no difference. Cannot, dis- cannot. Dis- he's even in bed and they're smoking a joint, and he's like, "You're lucky that shit's legal now." Yeah, six months ago, I would have killed you both. <laughs> Yeah, great right. character great yeah. casting by the way like the best casting in this in this whole show for my money was vigilante yeah he was incredible yeah, the, yeah, yeah. everything the body type <laughs> the voice the face the mannerisms everything yeah, was, every was perfection the, every time he had the mask off he has this like quaffed hair and he just has glasses on he just looks like a normal dude and so unimpressive as soon as he starts talking like this guy is horrifically dangerous <laughs> horrifically dangerous <laughs> Like he's like he's the like a perfect like he would be a serial killer if he wasn't oh yeah a, like a vigilante like like literally as his name says he would literally just be out there just killing people <laughs> like you know what I mean a serial <laughs> killer like you know what I mean he just comes across as like a total like uh like somebody seeing a true crime documentary whereas oh like, 100%, like, this guy detached yeah yeah like he's completely normal like completely oh, harmless right. looking but as soon as you start talking to him and start digging away at that fucking brain of his. Like you can see how <laughs> fucked up he is, like you know. <laughs> There's no bad casting in this. There's nobody, nobody gets towed along. There's nobody yeah. who gets dragged along by the great presence of anyone else. There's yeah. characters that you might prefer, and that's fine. That's the show. That's the way it always is. But there was nobody I felt got dragged by kicking and screaming through yeah. the through this. I just liked everyone in the role. Yeah, and what did you think of like outside of the ensemble cast that like the major backbone in this show was the, the narrative of the butterflies themselves. James Gummy spoke about in um, the Suicide Squad episode that he, I mentioned that he has Kenny where's his uh, influences on his sleeves. And obviously, like obviously just like us, he's a big fan of like pod people, body snatchers, all that kind of shit. And these kind of like little creatures to get inside your head, all kind of similar to Slither, where to get inside your head um, and to kind of control your body like Slither, they're not trying to create this gigantic singular organism. Um, like the thing meets Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> That's but you know, they just get inside. Really now. <laughs> yeah, actually, it is. Ratatouille. Yeah, Ratatouille. Ting Atouille, I don't know. Ting Atouille, I, I like it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm actually seeing it now and it's kind of creeping me out and arousing me. <laughs> we leave that there for another time. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool, uh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the comics. I'm not going to lie. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Starro, all that kind of stuff from Suicide Squad. I've, I've read thousands of comics with them in it. Yeah. But the, the, the butterfly, I assume they exist in some format in the DC comics, but uh, I'd never seen them before. And I, I enjoy them. Gee, I definitely enjoyed them. Yeah. I thought it was a vis- such a visually impressive show, and they were such a visually impressive antagonist, whatever, antagonist, whatever they end up being. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 the first one you see from the senator when it flies over skull and just goes up in the air, I was just like, wow, this show is just, <laughs> it's just going directions. It's just having fun with itself. Yeah. It, it's a golden age of television. It really, what, really is. What did you think of? Um... Uh, the design of the butterflies they're fucking cool looking weren't they oh absolutely yeah. they're absolutely perfect there was nothing at all I would have changed about them yeah and the scene where they, the way they get into people and they go into the mountain they're like fucking coughing up blood and shit like yeah like, exactly because it burrows yeah. up into the brain and it's yeah. a pretty painful <laughs> death to be fair yeah. like that's fucked up as well I, I love when they start talking like uh, something I mentioned about uh, where Demonica talk kind of got it wrong um, 
it's uh on a previous episode of Potty Snatchers was the um uh the disc- the revelations the scenes where they give you that exposition where they have to show the old examination medical examination of Gabriel when he's attached to uh, the main character I can't remember the name you're but, thinking um, of malignant not the, the oh demonic. sorry uh, malignant sorry not demonic um which we also did in a previous episode of that uh, when we see the tumor and stuff and you get to see all the exposition but I love this when they explain how the butterflies. Uh, came to be, how to discover them, this fucking worldwide conspiracy and the exposition character and they do it very, very fluidly in this, like, you know what I mean? And that's what I was going to say, the, the comparison I'm making that when you give exposition and shit like that, you kind of have to do it seamlessly and fluidly so you don't feel that exposition dump. And sometimes yeah. when you get that exposition... This always like, got on with it. You always felt yeah. like they were getting on with it. They never yeah. felt like, let's all just sit down and we need to explain some things to you. Because there's jokes and they're mocking it, and they had the PowerPoint presentation with a butterfly going up the ass. Yeah, and, you know, so uh, they're explaining to you, but they never uh, lose their flow. Yeah, yeah, they, you know they're like mean? they're it's... almost like because uh, originally when they talk about, it, they're like, "Oh, we found them initially in two governors. They're in a plane or something. They crashed. We found them in their head during the autopsy, and they just kind of move along. And then they have that scene you're talking about where they literally piss take the exposition dump." Where yeah. they're like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what you're saying about a minute ago. It's like where they get tropes in this fucking show and they just have so much fun with them. They're just like, you never know what stop I mean? having fun. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they never so, stop having fun. Because James Gunn's so clever at that. He's so clever, kind of like breaking that fourth wall, the wink and nod to the audience while he's still seamlessly telling a fucking ridiculously entertaining story. Like, he does it constantly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, and it never takes away from the story, the self awareness. Like, you know what I mean? The meta-ness of it. Like, like in that no, scene, it doesn't. Yeah, like because even in that scene where it's supposed to be really serious, you said it's like up to Bohol, uh, the guy who uh made the PowerPoint presentation, uh, decided to take some liberties. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh he's like, You said orifice, he's like, Yeah, there's, a, there's other orifice. The an- yeah, the anus is an orifice. Goes, yeah, no, it's possible. Superman's an alien, he's a poop fish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you remember? And he's like, oh, I really worked hard now. <laughs> yeah. But even the, 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 I actually think the only character that wasn't fleshed out was Kia, who had been the uh, wife of uh, Leota. Yeah. You know, like she, she, she was, was kind an of ancillary there. character, though. You know? Yeah, she was. But she, but literally anybody who was in, anyone who was in the dance in the intro, even that neighbor who's always out trimming his hedges, they yeah. got something, you know, yeah. they got a little something for just for them. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe her, that's it. And it, it, it's a very minor complaint, isn't it? Yeah. Because everyone just, I felt fleshed out and I cared about in some sort of way. I really like the way James Gunn's gone about where we spoke about in the Suicide Squad, the, the kaiju, he introduced kaiju to DC and now he's introducing these kind of like interplanetary fucking parasitic creatures that get into our brains, kind of like... Um, the way certain wasps do and shit like that and they fucking control us like you know what I mean kind of like make us puppeteers like the pop people body snatchers and I love the way he's introducing these new elements into the DC universe I don't know if it's still the DCEU what way they're framing or what way they're calling them because I know Flashpoint is seemingly going to do a lot of changes but um, I love the way he's trying new things like we're always looking for something new we mentioned before uh, he gets like a superhero show like Peacemaker and that could be a very simple A to B procedure a cop show in a lot of people's eyes but he oh, adds yeah. he adds the the white uh, white supremacy I don't know if that's from the comics but he has that there the white supremacy the racial tension the pod people the fucking serial killer fucking uh, uh, psychic you know what I mean like he, he gets all these different things and he's like I'm going to add new things to it and I love the way the direction he's going where he's adding these kind of like 
the the kaijus and the fucking the mind control like intergalactic creatures and shit but also he keeps these kind of more grounded kind of things as well uh, attached to it so and, and i think with uh, guardians of the galaxy and the holiday special being his last things he does with mcu i think he'll go back now and work maybe more with warner brothers and we might see more of his influence with Suicide Squad, maybe more. If you want to challenge, you go DC, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if Marvel have like an absolutely solid, solid grounding, anti-gravitational platform that can, you know, it's just, they could just print their own money and yeah. he could be a part of that and probably will again, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and all that kind of stuff. But if you want to challenge, somebody get this DC universe off the ground. Yeah. Because Sleeping Giant. He, Sleeping Giant and Snyder's, you know, there and Gunn is there. And got, you know, and I mean, even despite everything, I'm still a DC. I love Marvel. Love, love, mm. love, love Marvel. Like, it's not so much competition for me because I love them both. But I, I, I just, I love the properties that DC has. I grew up a Superman fanboy. I got into Batman in my teens, like you do if you're a comic nerd. And yeah. so I just, the potential there is just so, so huge. And, um, to, to, to see somebody kind of been able to tap into it with D-listers and make it that much fun. Now, I, I know with this more the bigger properties, you're probably not allowed to have as much fun in the sense that you have to do justice, this perceived justice by them. Yeah. But I think James Gunn, my God, like just just give him a blank piece of paper. He writes a number on it. <laughs> just let him fucking have it as far as I'm concerned. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be critique this, but there was nothing about it I didn't like. It was just fun, man. Yeah, it just, I it just think... just fun. I think uh, with the advent of Deadpool and you see the boys coming out and stuff like this and the success they've had that people understand now superhero stuff can be R-rated. And James yeah. Gunn has done this with Super as well back in the day with um the dude from The Office, um, Rain Wilson, is that his name? Um, yeah, Superbad or something. Uh, no, like, just yeah. called Super. Um, uh, Super. Uh, Superbad was the comedy with... Um, yeah, you know, sorry. You know, Jonah, was, Jonah yeah. Hill and Michael Cera. Um, yeah. But uh, I just think it shows that like something we talk about fucking an infinite over here on dark side is that the superhero genre is incredibly versatile and there's so much leeway you can have with that genre in terms of the subgenres you can operate incorporate but not only that the tones that you use to tell your story you can have a shazam and at the very same time you can have a suicide squad and they can both operate within the same universe if you want them to and they have completely different tones one's more family orientated one's more heartwarming shazam the adventure of the boy billy batson becomes a superhero and then you have the fucking the Suicide Squad, all these fucking rejects, these fucking crazy motherfuckers getting butchered in court and Maltese left, right, and center. And like you can have those had movies. a lot of death. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And you can have that in the same slate of movies. And James Gunn is showing as well again with Peacemaker that you can have a superhero show, you can put it on primetime television or streaming service like HBO Max. You can have it already. You can have vicious violence, you can have crazy fucking uh, fight scenes, you can have all these body horror elements, you can have all this fucking uh racial tension stuff, you can really do these things and you can tell all these stories and you can have an audience that's widespread and have mass appeal even if it's not a pg-13 property and that is there now for people and they're seeing it that the boy success deadpool success suicide squad success now you're seeing it with uh peacemaker success the r-rated superhero properties is a gold mine every bit as much as a generated or universal rated or pg-13 rated and the audience will flock to see these things and now we're going to see more r-rated fucking superhero content i think so and i think james gunn's going to be at the helm of that and set rogan and evan goldberg over on amazon doing the boys doing wonders over there and i think people are starting to see that all superhero movies do not need to be pg-13 you know yeah they definitely don't and there is 
even a market for people who don't really care about the more innocent so because they try to make it open to everyone ergo you know they're bringing their grandkids they're bringing their kids and everyone it's fun <laughs> for all the family yeah. and some people don't want that as yeah. in some people literally just want something that's just for them so yeah. even if it's got a niche market you will hit a higher percentage of the niche market yeah and you'll see like people anyway. <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah yeah and you will absolutely be all over it like like flies on shit and that's what we were and this this film sorry film this 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 series it it, it was so authentically so it, it was like it wasn't meant for anyone it was like james gunn made it for james gunn yeah then that's great that's like, what to say awesome the best creators yeah, that, make but it that's it make it for yourself make it for yeah. yourself and this was something honest to god it was like he didn't care if it meant a penny he just made something that he thinks would be the best version of Peacemaker that he could make. He had so much fun with the characters. and But even just the, the, the natural way they kind of were with each other, it didn't feel polished. And that's yeah. what was so charming about it, I dare say. And I, I don't know, I wouldn't have changed a thing for it. I actually wish more things, like Marvel can be quite polished. Yeah. DC is well, a lot of things, but it's not polished. And it, it, and I I really think the Peacemaker is an excellent example of that. And it's definitely something I want to see more of. It's not a type of yeah. entertainment that I'm sick of. It's not a type of entertainment that I've been exposed to so much that I'm, it's more of the same. Yeah. It's not a sitcom. You know, it's not a thousand shows trying to be friends. It's yeah. not. It's it's it feels like a new ground and man. More than anything, what I want is new. Yeah, new to me. If a Peacemaker felt new. Yeah, to me, it felt completely like it was in the boys' universe. The way it was oh, yeah, shot, absolutely. the tone, the way the gore was done, like everything. I could imagine Peacemaker and a Homelander 100%. 100%. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I loved about it. Like, you know, and I think we, we had the touch of what you said about Marvel is that, that they have such a fact uh, or uh, fixation with broad appeal or mass appeal in terms of like they have to be a specific way in a specific tone because we spoke about in our phase one series on dark side that they were kind of darker a lot at the, in terms of their tone in a lot of the earlier movies and they become a lot lighter and we call it like the the disnification of marvel and like and you'll see that um with marvel that they have kind of chosen a lane to do it better than anybody but they're going to stay in that lane and they're going to tell us fantastic stories. Don't get me wrong. Like Multiverse of Madness, I'm sure it's going to have a lot of horror elements. The reason Sam Raimi was brought into a place, Scott Derrickson, two of them are experienced horror directors is what they have a commonality, let alone like, you know, both of them working superheroes. That even though Marvel will darken their tone at times, depending on the story, that we will only get to see these R-rated things, I think, from DC. And I think Warner Brothers and DC are starting to understand, let's not be another Marvel. Let's be an alternative to Marvel in the same way we had been in the graphic novels for many, many years, where our tone is darker, but not just visually darker in the same way that Zack yeah. Snyder um, um, seems to think that for something to seem dark in tone, it has to be very visually dark and filled with greys it doesn't the, uh, you can really convey darkness in moments that look real and you can actually see them in total clarity because a lot of the, the criticisms that were levied at uh, Zack Snyder's movies uh, um, the DC movies are just too dark in terms of like visually you can't really see a lot of what's going on oh but, yeah yeah that, that kind of brown to, to black overlay on everything yeah, the, sepia kind of looking yeah, yeah I wasn't into it the mid 2000s post-apocalyptic look that we got in all those movies like back in the yes. day you know what I mean you know what I mean? That grey filter put over, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Like you can tell dark stories and you can have serious undertones and overtones, but have it just look bright. And that sometimes really fucks with you when you see these really it does. bright. Yeah, you it's know. It's a juxtaposition I mean? of one exactly. thing over another. 
and it, it doesn't take away yeah and it's the thing that's that's it just think about it you know it it, it it there isn't always an obvious answer dark should be dark or and light should be light there there is that nuance and yeah. i think this captured it really really well because it it it, deal, it dealt with a lot of grey, but the people were dressed like Power Rangers. Was yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, uh, what do you make of the Master Judo or Judo Master? Sorry. Oh God, I <laughs> loved it. Always eating, always eating Cheetos, like flaming hot Cheetos. Don't know yeah. why, but that was a great little. Just like character tidbit or something. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh God, no, he was great. I loved him. I thought he was excellent. Uh, he, you know, he introduced himself so well. He just came and kicked the shit out of everybody. <laughs> and, then he, and then he's like flaming throwing Cheetos at, 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 at Peacemaker. And then he's he gets, you know, he gets the, almost beaten to death with a tire iron. And that's fine. And he gets shot. Uh, that's fine. Beard. Yeah, and he just keeps coming back, and he's just this unstoppable little kick-ass. Oh, yeah. he's absolutely the whole scene where he's outside the store and he's eating Cheetos, and these guys come by and mock him, and they just come back out, and he just fucking destroys <laughs> both of them. Do you, do you remember the scene where he uh, attacks them the first time that uh, John Cena, Peacemaker, was sent in to execute a family of butterflies? Yeah, and, yeah, and he yeah. can't do it to give the gun to Vigilante, isn't it? And he's just <laughs> <laughs> picks out the kids for yeah, Papa Bear down. Baby bear down, yeah. They took the wife out first. They took yeah. out the kids, yeah. I was like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> he's such a fucking brilliant psychopath, though, isn't he? Like, oh my god, he's fantastic. You know, it, it's yeah. almost like pouring milk on cereal or <laughs> high-powered sniper rifle taking out a child. No difference between the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just just get it done. Yeah, yeah. it's another day. It's like Dexter. Like, oh, it's know, means to an end. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Yeah. And um, what what did you think of like uh John Cena as Peacemaker? Because yeah, really we should finish we could finish, yeah, we should finish up on that. I think John Cena finally found his footing. Like I watched some music, he's been at, acting for nearly 20 years now. Really? Uh, and he, yeah, well, he, well remember he had that the whole thing where you remember that film that came out in about 2007 or six, and he was like he had a oh, 12 at rounds. one point he's yeah, you remember that shit? Yeah, the and, WWE yeah. movie. Where he's running, he's running at these guys shooting him and he's holding a bulletproof vest. <laughs> and, and like, the whole point is a bulletproof vest works because there's something behind the bulletproof yeah. vest. The bullet would just lift the bulletproof vest and shoot you. But I know it was absolute tripe, but he was yeah. wooden. But now, and I've seen him in a few things and he's okay, but he, I, uh, that thing where he's a parent trying to protect his daughter's virginity. Uh, but he yeah. got circles acted around him by the people around him. He was good, but he wasn't the best thing about yeah. it. And a peacemaker, he just seemed to be like all of that inhibition just felt like it was gone. Yeah, he just felt like he found a character that he was going to own. And I was really, really happy. He just reached a new level, and it's just you know experience, confidence, uh, and just kind of coming to fruition with something that he obviously cares a lot about the property. Uh, yeah, no credit to him. And Huge you, credit to the man. Do you think that's a case of? John Cena, as you said, growing in confidence as an actor, or do you think it's him being paired with the correct director that got it out? I think it's a oh man, all of the above. Yeah, you know, all of the above. I, I, you know, I, not to keep it simple, I, I do think that you know he sat down and said, "I want to make this work," and he had somebody who filled him full of confidence, like James Gunn, because yeah. he knows what James Gunn can do. He's like, "Wow, yeah, no, I have, I have the band together now." 
Yeah, and I'm just, definitely going to pull my weight inside of it. Yeah, yeah. So he just think it was a case of like uh, he knew that if he kind of showed up, that James Gunn would get the best out of him. So exactly, it, and it just kind of like if you know that a director can get the best out of you, bring your A game, and it just kinda, exactly it just kind of elevates everything. Like in the cast itself, like like uh, a lot of them are kind of silly characters, or whatever. But because James Gunn's there, and because we talked about he loves these kind of weird, kooky characters, these D-listers, and he gives them new depth and new fucking layers and shit like that. And that's what he did with like Robert Patrick's. Uh, what was his character's name? Sorry, um, something dragon. White something. dragon. The white, white dragon. dragon. Yeah, the white dragon, and like uh, with vigilante. And like um, we even see Amanda Waller's daughter in this and stuff like so. He kind of incorporated the, the the DC universe, um, the kind of greater one, but using all these D-list characters and he elevated them all in a great fucking way. Like he did that as well with the Suicide Squad, as you said in Suicide Squad episode. He did with Polka Dot Man and King Shark and all these like kind of C-list, D-list characters in a way that Joss Whedon couldn't do with Superman and Batman. And he gave us a fucking excellent movie and like one that we all came out smiling. And then with Peacemaker, again, it's the exact same tone as Suicide Squad. It it slotted perfectly into that world. It followed perfectly after the events of the movie. And obviously he knew about the show going into the movie because he kept John Cena around. He left it open-ended with Suicide Squad. So like, you know, I just think it was because he, the love he has for these types of characters, I think Peacemaker, once again, just like Suicide Squad, is way better than any uh, right that it actually had going into it. Like, I had no expectations going into this, but we have James Gunn. You're like, I, I, I'm, it's going to be fun at least. But once yeah, again, it's that. even Like I said, it's hard. He's earned that. He just has. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like, gone put to respect on the name. Yeah, so it's it's not even now it's like it's fun and quality. He's like he's he's evolved so much as a director since Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Where Guardians of the Galaxy Two was felt more like fun, but was lacking a little bit of the quality of the first one. But it seems now that he's really evolving as a director, and I can't wait to see what he does with Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Um, oh yeah, he's all of my attention, definitely. Yeah, and do you think we're going to see more more of Peacemaker and maybe more the Suicide Squad and both directed by James Gunn? Yes, we're going to. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it made bank. It was acclaimed. It, you know, people were impressed. You got a good thing, and they're both in their infancy. It's going to be kept going. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope definitely so. at least one season and one more film. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Even if it's a slight detriment to Guardians of the Galaxy with the, the Guardians characters themselves, even if you don't have them standalone movies together, like uh, as in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy standalone movies, those characters can be uh, incorporated into other films and other writers can write them maybe not to the exact specifications of a James Gunn, but to maybe to a certain quality. Like you're going to see a lot of uh, Star Lord and stuff like that in Taika Waititi's tour, Love and Thunder. And I can see going forward, that James Gunn mentioning that this is going to be the last iteration we see of this Guardians of the Galaxy team together, that he's going to leave Marvel, that that Guardians of the Galaxy team are going to see some deaths, most likely Dave Batista's Drax, because he's been very outspoken. He's defense James Gunn, and he's probably not going to do any movies without him. So we're probably going to see some deaths in the next Guardians movie. And those characters that remain are going to be scattered around other franchises. And that's yeah. how we're going to see them continue on with James Gunn probably going to go double back and go to Warner Brothers, and maybe if he doesn't do another Suicide Squad, we'll definitely see another season of uh, Peacemaker, I think. Uh, maybe we'll get to see something something else, maybe like a Polka Dot Man show or something, which, you know, anything he does, I'm going to be there for. And I'd really, even, 100%. Though, even though I'd love to see more Guardians of the Galaxy movies, as long as those characters remain, I'd be happy to see James Gunn going and really beefing up Warner Brothers so we can get to see lots of different types of entertainment from both sides, you know? Well said, man. And I, yeah, like, watch, watch this space. 
Yeah, exactly. Watch this space. So, all right, folks. Uh, no, you not and say, or we get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. All right, folks. This is uh, Dark Side of the Moon. I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Anton Tui. And that was Peacemaker. See you next time, motherfuckers. Peace. Peace.